Hey, hey, happy Monday. Welcome back to the show. You're here on Chad Theory. I'm your host, Chad James. Hope you had an amazing weekend. Today, we're looking at Jacinda Ardern's epic fail. So far, all I've heard from mainstream media is her leadership legacy for, you know, the Christchurch massacre, donning the hijab and going in uh, mourning with the Muslim community in New Zealand, the White Island volcano for her compassion, taking the time to understand and talk to those families, and the COVID-19 pandemic, those epic policy failures that have been masked as policy successes. So today, I'm going to take you through her biggest failure. And it's not what you think. Definitely stick around because this is huge and there are massive lessons here to learn for those of us back here in Australia. Before we get into that, wherever you're listening to this podcast, help us out. Give us a five-star rating. Let others know you love Chat Theory. And remember, this podcast doesn't have ads. We rely entirely on the support from listeners. So consider making a PayPal donation. There's a link below and also become a paid subscriber to get access to exclusive content. But for now, let's try and have an objective discussion at this self-proclaimed socialist called Jacinda Ardern. You know, folks, ever since Jacinda Ardern resigned at the end of last week, I've been sort of looking around and just generally interested in seeing what the commentary is from the different mastheads from different mainstream media outlets and commentators alike, all the independent ones. And it's just so interesting how divisive she was and she still is. There are also a couple of podcasts from The Usual Suspects, Sydney Morning Herald, their Please Explain podcast, which I listen to daily. Uh, the Guardian's Full Story podcast, which I also listen to daily. It's good Aussie content. Uh, it's very hard to listen to most days, but it is a, a good source of uh, facts and figures sometimes. I do enjoy Aussie content uh, wherever it comes from. I like all different views and perspectives. Well, the problem is that no one gets it. No one understands why Jacinda Ardern was such a failure an epic failure, until I came across Rashina Campbell. Now, Rashina Campbell is a Melbourne City Councillor. She's a commercial barrister, and she's also a member of the Liberal Party. But the Sydney Morning Herald published an opinion piece of hers today, early this morning. I read it this morning, and it's brilliant. She gets it. It's titled, The Big Promises Jacinda Didn't Keep. So I'm going to take you through Rashina Campbell's ideas, her analysis, her assessment of Jacinda Ardern's ability as a policymaker, and we'll have a discussion about it afterwards because I didn't realize that it was this bad. Now, another reason why I'm so interested in Jacinda Ardern is because of the close relationship she has with Anthony Albanese and how when Anthony Albanese came to power, people were so excited that we were getting our own Jacinda Ardern. You know, be more like Jacinda, we hear quite often. So from that perspective, you can sort of see how maybe Jacinda was, as some people say, the Kiwi in the coal mine for us over here in Australia. Let's get into this analysis from Rashina Campbell. It starts with 
New Zealand's Labor Party coming back to power in 2017. They were nine years in opposition. And at that election, Labor only won 38% of the vote. So they were behind the National Party's 44%. Now, Ardern, she was only able to form government because she formed a coalition with New Zealand First, which saw Winston Peters, the leader of that party, become her deputy. So New Zealand First apparently is the equivalent of One Nation, Pauline Hanson's One Nation over here in Australia. So super right-wing party with a self-proclaimed socialist in Jacinda Ardern forming coalition. Straight off the bat there, you can imagine this is quite an odd pairing. Until you look at their immigration policies, because Jacinda ran on the promise that if she were elected, she would cut immigration by 30,000 people from over 70,000 people per year. That's the kind of policy you hear from. That's right, from One Nation. That's the kind of thing that you hear from a right-wing nutjob like myself. And we're called racists. But when Jacinda Ardern says it, well, I guess we'd, we'd better put her in office. It's, it's a very different debate. And it's not one that you hear out in the open from self-proclaimed socialists like Jacinda Ardern. Now, let's get into this housing policy because this is effectively where Jacinda failed perhaps the worst. At New Zealand's 2018 census, this was six months after Jacinda's Labour Party came to power, 64.5% of New Zealanders owned homes. It was the lowest level since 1951. Five years later, it's actually worse. It's going to go down to 63.6%. So that really hasn't changed. However, she wanted to reverse that slide, so she introduced Kiwi Build. It's a New Zealand $2 billion scheme, and it was meant to deliver 100,000 affordable homes within a decade. 100,000 homes within a decade. So how did that go? Guys, just stop for a sec. Just, just, just take a guess. I'll give you a minute. The target was 100,000 affordable homes within a decade. We're halfway through, five years in, 100,000 homes. How many homes do you think have actually been built under that program? Take a wild guess. Well, you're wrong. 1,365. 1,365 homes have been built. But it gets worse. Apparently, according to the New Zealand Housing Department, in the first half of last year, more homes were demolished than were built. Just let that policy failure sink in for a moment. Unbelievable. So how did this happen? Well, remember that immigration target? That went out the window because as we know, when politicians get into power, I've been waxing lyrical about this screaming from the rooftops about this for a long time now. Those of you who follow me will will remember several occasions in which I've discussed this. Politicians are addicted to immigration. It has nothing to do with multiculturalism. It has nothing to do with diversity. It has nothing to do with race. It's got nothing to do with the color of your skin. I'm talking purely economics here. Politicians love immigration. 
it's the fastest and easiest way to boost that holy grail economic indicator, GDP. So despite saying that the policy was, if we get in, we'll cut the number of migrants, they actually increased them. In the month that Jacinda Ardern took office, that year before, net immigration was 55,000. In December 2019, that's the last month before the pandemic and the policies, etc., the lockdowns, it was 72,000. So it had simply gone up. Nothing had changed. Now, what was the inevitable consequence of all this? Well, again, thanks to Rashina Campbell and her analysis, she's pointed out quite simply that it was a failure of supply to meet this ever-increasing demand, and that was pushing house prices up. It was fueling house price increases. Now, add in the lowest interest rates that we've ever seen across the Western world over the last decade, low interest rates... US, Canada, the United Kingdom, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, it's the same everywhere. And to add to that, the removal of restrictions on the amount of money that borrowers can can borrow against their property, what did you think was going to happen to house prices? Some of you might be interested to know New Zealand doesn't have a land tax or doesn't have stamp duty. They got rid of that over 20 years ago in the late 90s. So let's put all of this into perspective. Between 2019 and the end of 2021, property prices in New Zealand rose by 50%. Wow. And listen to this quote from Arthur Grimes. He's a professor of public policy at Victoria University of Wellington. He said that this was probably the biggest widening of wealth distribution that we have ever seen in New Zealand between people who own houses and those who don't. You know, I'm struggling to understand how Jacinda Ardern, a self-proclaimed socialist, someone who so staunchly represented and governed for the little guy, actually did the complete opposite of what she said that she would do. It really is an epic failure. So knowing that this was an epic failure, Jacinda decided to tackle New Zealand's version of negative gearing. So they announced that landlords would not be able to offset the interest that they pay on their mortgage against rental income. That tax deduction that so many wealthy people make use of, they got rid of it. And the idea behind it is to make investment properties less attractive, right? Because if you don't have that tax exemption, your account's saying, you know, you're really wealthy, you're earning all this income. We need to reduce your tax bill. One way to do that is to purchase investment properties, rent them out, and then we can negatively gear them. You'll uh, you'll have the capital gains from the value increase of the property, and it'll reduce your tax bill. It's a double whammy. It's lovely. But what actually happened when they did that? Well, rental prices went through the roof. That's right. The exact opposite effect of what they were gunning for. Why? Because not only did they scrap negative gearing, They also expanded New Zealand's version of capital gains tax on housing. So the idea is that profits on the sale of investment properties would be taxed at the seller's marginal income tax rate. So say, for example, you're a high-profile lawyer, you're in the top income bracket, almost half your income, I don't know what the rates are, 40 45% or something like that, right? If you were to sell something and make a capital gain, 
you would have a capital gains tax rate instead of using your marginal tax rate because on that gain, you'd have to pay almost 50%, like your marginal income tax rate. So they got rid of that. So the seller would have to pay their marginal income tax rate, that much higher rate on the capital gains that they made. So the net effect was they, they doubled the time a property had to be owned to avoid paying that tax. So it went from five years to 10 years. So what did that do? Well, it stopped investors from selling. It decreased the turnover, the transactions of properties. And what does that do? Well, it decreases the supply of housing in the market. And the worst part is ANZ actually came out when Jacinda Ardern announced the policy and said that the biggest negative impact was the possible impact on renters, the very people the government is trying to help into the housing market. So what was Jacinda Ardern's response to that? She said, oh, it's merely speculation and no action was planned to cushion the impact on rental prices. Didn't need to. Everything was going to be fine. But when you factor in that around one third of New Zealand's population are renting, in Auckland Central, apparently it's 54%. That lack of concern that she had was really, really tone deaf. She really well and truly got this one wrong. The way I see it is you need to split up Jacinda Ardern's legacy into two lanes, the leadership lane and the policy lane. Now, she became quite famous. She received rock star status around the world for her virtue signaling and her woke style of politics. But to give her more credit than that, the Christchurch massacre at two mosques that killed 51 people back in 2019 the way she handled that was quite compassionate. You know, she donned the hijab, she said, Salam alaikum. She went and she grieved with the Muslim community over in New Zealand. And that connected with many people over there, particularly, obviously, um, the, the, the Muslim community over there. But not only that, the White Island volcano eruption that killed 22 people in 2019 as well, she just had a way of showing compassion to those who are in need and those who are vulnerable, at least in the way that she communicates with them. I mean, I think she's terribly fake. I think that we've seen enough behind the scenes footage of her showing how fake she really is, particularly with regards to COVID-19 policies, how she used to laugh about them and sort of make fun of mask wearing and how you have to put it on for the camera before the cameras came on. There's, there's so many videos out there if you guys want to see, but just generally look at her in interviews, the way that she's so sanctimonious, the way she's so self-righteous in the way that she dismisses arguments, quite serious questions as you know, being cheeky and laughs them off and, and just moves on. To me, she comes off as incredibly disingenuous, but I do accept that she had a very particular leadership style, this politics of kindness. I mean, she literally said when she was asked, how do you want New Zealanders to remember you? I hope I leave New Zealanders with a belief that you can be kind, but strong, empathetic, but decisive, optimistic, but focused and that you can be your own kind of leader, one who knows when it's time to go. And look, you do have to give her credit for knowing when it's time to go. The Labor Party are clearly behind the opposition in the polls, but it's clear that so many New Zealanders were becoming fed up with that narrative and, and that they 
started to lose their trust in her as that kind leader because a whole bunch of realities set in, folks. The economy, the cost of living set in, the rising animosity toward her after so many pandemic policy failures, alienating different groups of New Zealanders, creating a them and us mentality. I mean, she literally said, we will continue to be your single source of truth. And unless you hear it from us, it is not the truth. That is the complete opposite of what a democracy is. That is the complete opposite of what creating an open, inclusive and harmonious society is about. The government is not the single source of truth. The government is the government. They govern on behalf of the people. They don't disseminate the truth. That's something that you hear out of authoritarian dictatorships. Yet, she was so widely celebrated for it. So to tie all of this back in for you folks, we're looking at that failed housing policy. This is what happens when you have leaders with no understanding of economics. Instead, they have an obsession with self-image, virtue signaling. I mean, to say her housing policy was a failure is a gross understatement. Imagine in your professional jobs, those of you listening right now, imagine you are responsible for an epic failure of that magnitude. What do you think would happen to you? I mean, it's just incredible. She idolizes Helen Clark. She served as the 37th Prime Minister in New Zealand. That was from 99 to 2008, and then went on to be the administrator of the United Nations Development Program. And that's probably where Jacinda will end up because you see her popularity on the international scale is so much greater than it is domestically over in New Zealand because they're the ones who have to live with these failed policies. I mean, she even worked for Tony Blair in London as an advisor in the cabinet office when he was prime minister. So she calls herself a socialist, but she has a record of working for straight up neoliberals. Now, for us Aussies, there are parallels here with Anthony Albanese. You know, that fake woke politics that's light on policy, virtue signaling without effective governance, big spending policies targeting social outcomes with little regard for the economic realities of life. Now, like I said, Jacinda Ardern, she found out quickly how important immigration is for covering up structural economic problems. She literally said way back when she was running, that New Zealand does not have the economic infrastructure. They're not set up to deal with that level of immigration. This is your socialist in chief, guys. I've been saying this about Australia for how long, and I get attacked as being a racist and tone deaf and being a right-wing nutjob. But when Jacinda says it, and then completely fails to fix the problem, Everyone gives a, a round of applause and a congratulations on her amazing legacy. Over here in Australia, it's not even a conversation. It's just business as usual. I'll tell you what, the double standards are sitting there in broad daylight, folks. But listen, I really want to hear from you guys. Get in contact with me. Let me know what you think about Jacinda Ardern and her legacy. Don't be shy. You can get in touch with me on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is at Chat Theory Show. Make sure you give me a follow as well so you can stay up to date with everything I'm doing. That's at Chat Theory Show on Instagram and Twitter. And also don't forget to give us a five-star rating 
wherever you're listening to us, let people know you love Chad Theory and consider making a PayPal donation. There's a link below as well as becoming a paid subscriber to get access to exclusive content. But I'll tell you what, it's Monday. We're all guns blazing here as per usual. Hope you had a relaxing weekend, but now it's time to get into it. Hope you have a great week as well. Chat to you soon, folks. See ya.